Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you deep involved, deep dives with the Houston Texans. We're not at NRG Stadium tonight, as we were not last night either, because we're still in Phoenix at the NFL annual meeting. And as I said, that's the formal name of this thing, not the owners' meetings. That's what everybody calls it. And I'll get into that title with Jamie Roots a little bit. Why do they call it the owners' meetings when the owners go to really all of the meetings in the offseason and even during the season. And this involves coaches, general managers, presidents. And speaking of president, yes, Jamie Roots will join us during the program tonight. Also, a little bit later on, really looking forward to this. Adam Kaplan of SiriusXM NFL Radio, at Kaplan NFL on Twitter. You want to hear what he has to say about the NFL, about the Texans, about all of it. And tomorrow night, back in studio, but Brian Gain will join us tomorrow night as you'll hear what he has to say about these meetings, about the team, about all of it. But let's start here. Bill O'Brien, a lot of him in this first segment. First of all, I had a chance to visit with him this morning right before the Tuesday session. Coach, when we started doing this, you were a rookie head coach here at the owners' meetings. Now you're one of the top ten guys in tenure. What's it like to be here now as one of the veterans? It does go by fast. Time goes by fast. You know, I just think when you come to these owners' meetings, it's a great opportunity to get get to see the other coaches, uh, other people in the league that you've known for such a long time. It's a, it's a great event. And, you know, it was, it's been great here because we've got a lot of football covered. It's the most football we've talked about in the coaches' meetings since I've been coming to these, and, and it's been uh, really productive. What's it like to talk to these guys as friends, yet you're so competitive yeah. on Sundays? It's blood and guts then, but now it's really friendly. It's, it is, it is. I mean, we, we have a great respect for each other. Um, you know, you've been around me for a long time now. I mean, how much respect I have for the other coaches in the league. And we can talk. I mean, certainly when you get into specifics and all those, we don't go, you know, that far into it. But, you know, hey, how are you handling your offseason program? You know, how are you handling training camp in the heat? Things like that. Just trying to get different opinions on how guys uh, do different things. And uh, it's it's really a good good uh, it's a good chance to catch back up with the guys. You excited to get coaching at, with your free agent class, the guys yeah. you acquired? Excited to get started with them, try to initially just teach them about what we're all about you know how we do things in Houston not being a rush you know let's get them in here let's uh let's talk to them about our culture the way that we do things and uh, we feel like we've really added some good guys we were able to really spend time with all the guys that we added and 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 we feel like they're really going to fit our our uh our organization our culture and how we do things so we're excited about that what are the early stages of the off-season conditioning program like what are you allowed to do able to do right so it's three phases uh the first phase is really mostly with the strength coaches and I would say the second phase is the same, but uh, the first phase is mostly with them. They can meet with us a little bit, nothing on the field with the coaches, and then the second phase we can start doing some things on the field with them. And then the third phase, that's where Mike Eubanks kind of turns it over to us, and it's more uh, more like practice, you know, uh, relative to being on the field and getting some things done. I know Brian and his crew, they're in crunch time with the draft. Yeah. How do you help at this stage with about a month to go? Yeah, no, we we, uh, we really do a lot of work to try to supplement their information just from a coaching standpoint. We spend a lot of time with the scouts, with Brian. When we get back from this, we'll start draft meetings, so we'll be in there kind of grinding it out on, on the guys that uh, we, want, we think we're, we're going to be able to draft. Uh, the process has been great. We've got some coaches that are barnstorming the country right now, working guys out, and, uh, and then we'll all reconvene here in about a week. 
I know we have OTAs and the offseason conditioning first, but training camp, I know you talked about it here a little bit. You must be excited to have training camp in Houston this year. Very excited to be back in Houston, especially for our fans. Um, you know, and we've made some improvements to the to the facility. We have new turf in the bubble, uh, the weight room, the, obviously the cafeteria. Just uh, We think it's really it's going to be a great training camp to, to be back here in Houston and, and be able to get some things done where the guys are a little bit closer to home and things like that. And then obviously number one is get, get the fans back involved with training camp will be great for us coach thanks a lot for joining us thank you vandy all right there's the head coach of the texans bill o'brien now more from bill o'brien i gotta paint the picture for you here because at the nfl annual meeting every year they have a coach's breakfast and the last couple of years they've done it with all 32 coaches at these circular tables these are banquet tables they hold 10 people and each coach gets a table and you've seen some of the pictures on twitter or on the website houstontexans.com go ahead to the texans app we've got some stuff on there for you as well but Everybody has a table, and the media is gathered around, and you can jump from table to table, but really what ends up happening is if you cover the Texans, you spend the majority of time, of course, with Bill O'Brien because it's a long time with the head coach. He's basically required to be there and answer questions. So let's get into some of the things that he had to say about the 2019 team. First up, obviously you've been hearing about the free agent acquisitions for the Texans, but I think that you have to pay attention to the entire roster, and you can clearly tell by this next comment that Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain are excited about what they have coming back. They played a lot of young players on offense, and on the offensive line, you had Julian Davenport playing in his first full season as a starter at left tackle. You had Kendall Lamb at right tackle, first full season. Now, Lamb's no longer part of the team, but you get my drift here. Two tight ends playing their first season. They were rookies. You had Kiki QT playing some games at wide receiver as a rookie. And Deshaun Watson, first full season. So a lot of youth on that offense, and O'Brien's addressing it here, along with talking about free agents, adding them, and how they're going to fit in. You know, younger players improve a lot from year one to year two, year two to year three, at every position. Um, I think we've really done a lot of good things in the offseason relative to, uh, you know, maybe some schematic changes and then relative to the players that we've acquired to this point. So we, we feel like, you know, we're on the right track. Um, looking forward to April 15th when everybody gets back and feel like we have a real good group of core players and looking forward to working with them. One thing that he said in that comment, he talked about schematics and things like that. They're clearly making some adjustments to this offense going into the 2019 season. Here's more from Bill O'Brien on the free agents. I think we've definitely um, improved the roster, and, and when we get, get these guys in here, you know, April 15th, we can start to teach them about our culture, the way we do things, and basically indoctrinate them into the Houston Texans program. And I feel really good about the guys that we're able to bring in. I, I think free agency is tough. I think you try to do the best you can to keep your team together. We're not going to build our team through free agency, try to build it through the draft, but there's some things that, that come up in free agency that you you have to uh, address and talk about, and I think we've done a good job of that. You know, we wish we could keep guys, but based on how the system works, we feel like we did, we've done a good job of improving the roster. One of the position groups taking a big hit for the Texans in free agency was safety, Kareem Jackson in Denver, and now Tyron Matthew in Kansas City. Well, the Texans went right to work as Brian Gaines signed to Sean Gibson to help shore up the position group, and this is a real blessing in disguise because he can cover tight ends very well. Bill O'Brien discusses what Gibson brings to the Houston Texans. We feel like in Sean Gibson that we, we've got a guy that has a lot of experience uh, in a lot of different defensive schemes, 
whether it was Cleveland or Jacksonville or the places that he's been. So we feel good about his ability to come in here and help us. All right, it's probably not safe to assume anything in life, but you can bet on it that the Texans are going to get some help on the offensive line in the draft. That means somebody has to play up front early in all likelihood, and Bill O'Brien discussed that at this morning's breakfast at the NFL meetings. What is it like for a young player to start on the O-line if necessary? I think the farther away from the ball that the position is, it might be, I'm not saying easier, but maybe the adjustment's a little bit smoother relative to being a receiver or a corner. I'm not saying it's easier, but when you're playing out in space, it's a whole lot different than when you're playing on the offensive line from a strength standpoint, from a knowledge. I mean, most of these guys, first of all, in college, they're in these great offenses in college, but they're in two-point stances. They're not in three-point stances. They're, you know, they're not run blocking a whole lot, some of these schools. I'm not saying every school, but like they're throwing the ball 60, 70 times a game, so they're backpedaling. They're going back. Now you got to, you know, you got to really train the guy how to run block because, you know, we got to be able to run the football. So, um, so there's a lot that goes into it. And then they're, they're, you know, they go from blocking who they blocked at, you know, in the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, to now the first day of training camp, they're blocking J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Mercer. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a big adjustment. But if they if they have a great work ethic and they they uh, stay true to who they are, they'll 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 develop and they'll they'll be able to play their first year. But it's it's not easy. Well, it's been a big off-season topic for the fans. I know it's not really X's and O's related, or is it? It's training camp, and as you know, for the last two years, the Texans have been at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Some of you have made the trip, and obviously that's not a whole lot of people because it's tough to get there. We get it. We did our best bringing it back to you via social media, digital media, whatever kind of media we can do, but... The Texans will be back at NRG Park, the Houston Methodist Training Center for training camp, and Bill O'Brien talked a lot about that. Look, the Greenbrier was great. We 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 love the Greenbrier and the people in 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 West Virginia and and our stay there was awesome. But it was a major undertaking to to move the whole organization up there for a couple of weeks. You know, move the training room, um, you know, move the weight room. You know, everything went, and in the end with the improvements that we've made back in Houston uh, in the weight room. We put new turf down in the bubble. We have beautiful practice fields there. We've got hotels close by where we can house guys uh, during training camp. we got our fans. That's probably number one. You know, you get 10,000 people at practice every day or whatever it is. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing for our players, and I think that was all that went into that decision. And, uh, you know, we're happy to be back home for training camp. We feel it. We're working on – I can't really announce anything yet because I don't know the exacts of the preseason schedule, but I think when, when the fans see that schedule come out, if it works the way we, we hope it works, that we'll be able to scrimmage at least one team, maybe two teams in Houston, and, uh, and uh, we'll scrimmage one on the road. So it'll be, it'll be a good training camp. I think we have a better handle on the heat than we did uh, when I first came to Houston. I think we've learned a lot more about the heat with our medical staff and our strength staff. And so over time, you know, we understand that there are times when we're going to have to be outside in the heat, but then there's other times, which is one of the great things. Cal uh, bought us new turf in the, in the, in the uh, bubble, which is going to really help us and, uh, so we can go in there. And we also have our GPS system will be in that bubble now. We've, we, we've worked on, like, the air conditioning in there. There's a lot of improvements that have been made because of the McNairs. You know, Cal and Janice McNair have helped us make a lot of improvements. And, it's uh, 
I think it's going to help us, you know, in those situations where it's 115 degrees out. It's probably not real smart to be out there in a knockdown, drag-out practice. One more from the coaches' breakfast today with Bill O'Brien. Obviously, this is the first NFL annual meeting since the passing of Mr. McNair, and the McNairs are here, Janice, Cal, Hannah, obviously. And Bill O'Brien was asked about the McNair family and how the Texans organization lives on. It's just an unbelievable family, very nice, uh, very humble family. They listen. They, they, they take in the information that, they're giving, that you're giving them. And then they give you their opinion. They give you their direction that they want. They want uh, nothing's changed relative to, you know, we have a we have a, a, a really good organization when it comes to, you know, it's a family-oriented organization. We care about the Houston Texans really care about their employees. Um, you know, everybody knows each other in the organization. Um, it's there's a it's a very positive vibe around the building, and that's a good thing. And then all the things that. Most importantly, I think the McNairs do in the community. I mean, that'll continue to go go on and on. That that's the legacy of of Bob McNair is uh, you know everything that he's done for the city of Houston, he and his family, and that's what Janice and Cal are carrying on. And I and I would say, you know, obviously Hannah McNair has a big big role in it too. The Lady Texans, and so they're 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 just doing a. Uh, great job well there he is the head coach of the texans bill o'brien plenty more on the website about all this stuff and don't forget we've got brian gain tomorrow night we moved him to tomorrow night he'll talk about the free agents the entire class so far next up jamie roots some stuff about the nfl and the houston texans tv ratings are up you're going to get to watch the texans this season in a way you never have been able to before he will explain that and then adam kaplan formerly of espn sirius xm nfl radio he'll join us to talk about his thoughts on the afc south the texans and the nfl at large it's all coming up on texans all access here in phoenix at the nfl annual meeting joining us right now texans president jamie roots and jamie we call it the annual meeting everyone calls it the owners meetings and i've got a new idea we should call it the coaches meetings and the president's meetings and maybe the gms GMs too yeah Yeah. (laughs) because the owners go to a lot of meetings throughout the years i mean they're all the owners meetings but this is the one where you have everybody it's the it's the whole league virtually here yeah it is it's the it's the brain trust of each of the clubs and uh, an opportunity for us to take a deep dive into the game itself right so one time we'll talk about things in may and and from time to time some game related issues come up but the other meetings that we have are really focused on the business of the league this is one time where the the uh, competition committee has gathered feedback from all the clubs on rule changes and bylaw proposals and it's all about you know it's all about getting better getting get better every day month year right and so this is our chance year over year to make the game better for the fans safer for the players what do the presidents do at these meetings you just touched on it a little bit but give me an idea of some of the things you guys discuss well the owners uh in their meetings are really uh you know uh, governance, guidance, policies. And, uh, we go a layer deeper in terms of very granular issues related to the business. Uh, one of the things we talked about in December was the league was very, really wanted the team's help to, um, to drive uh, streaming uh, consumption on phones because it's available now and not many people knew about it. You can stream a Texans game on any device. Um, and so the way they wanted to do it was cumbersome. So we gave them that feedback while well, they've come back here, uh, here to the annual meeting and have presented a solution where 
Texans fans can go to the Houston Texans app or can go to HoustonTexans.com and stream our games live on any device that they have, which is really a game changer. And so that gives us uh, the ability to work with them and promote it aggressively to encourage fans to download the app and to go there on game day. If they're not able to go in front of their TV set, they're not fortunate enough to uh, have a ticket in NRG Stadium. Or listen to the radio. Oh, absolutely. That's another thing. That's the best way to do it, right? Texans You know I do every game. I know this. (laughs) I I hear from you. Texans president Jamie Roots with us. But streaming is a a reality, no question about it, and especially with the younger audience, the Gen Z, and this is a very important target for the league. Well, one of our games last year, I think it was Dallas and New Orleans, uh, huge television ratings, but over uh, over a million uh, streams on average, a million people on average throughout the game consuming it on a mobile or digital device. And so it's added probably – you know, one point to our uh, our ratings change, mm-hmm. one percentage point year over year. So it's small, but it's grown by, you know, triple digits. And so the league has really gone both feet into uh, making these – uh, streaming broadcasts available so that wherever you are, uh, whatever you know, even if you you don't have a, uh, a subscription of some type, you can get access to our games in the local markets. Texans President Jamie Roots with us. TV ratings are up six percent league wide, twenty three percent for the Houston Texans. That's huge. They also cut the commercial breaks down by twenty percent. They reduced them. Yeah. Well, I mean, the goal is to make the game the most compelling. Uh, uh, viewing experience possible, and and the fans, in, uh, based on research, said you're taking too many breaks, so they did fewer breaks, a little bit longer. Said, hey, look, when uh, there's a touchdown that's scored, I don't want to watch a, a a commercial break, then a kickoff, then a commercial break. I think they, you know, cut the uh, number of double, we call them double ups in half year over year. Uh, and all of this is designed to make the game uh, as you know as as compelling. Uh, an entertainment product as possible. And if you look at the ratings, you know, I mean, that, that's the kind of results that you get. I know that you're always trying to improve the app, and I am too. <laughs> we are trying to improve well, we the We want app. it to be the go-to source for Texans fans. Certainly, right. HoustonTexans.com has been that for a long time. But you have this app in your, in your hand. Mm-hmm. At any point, at a point in time, that needs to be the place that you can find out anything you want to about the team. That's the place on game day, which is a must-go-to mm-hmm. uh, resource for you to really maximize or optimize your enjoyment of the Houston Texans, whether it's finding concession areas or traffic. You know, how do you, how do you get to the stadium most effectively, how do you stream the game? How do you listen to it? What are the stats that you need to know? Mm-hmm. Latest news. So we're, we're constantly working to reimagine and evolve the app experience so it is a must-have for Houston Texans fans. I, I know it's not going to happen overnight, but I had the privilege of hearing from the CEO of Verizon about 5G and what right. it's going to mean for everybody. I mean, the consumer wins in this deal. Well, that's one of the great things about Houston being such a great global city, such an important city for commerce, and the Texans you know, humbly uh, become one of the elite teams in the in all of professional sports. When you have those two things together, a company like uh, Verizon visited with their CEO earlier this week. They are absolutely focused on 5G at NRG Stadium as quickly as possible. I do believe there's a path to, for us to be able to get 5G in at least some implementation for the. Uh, uh, for the 2019 season. Now, wow. the, challenge, the devices don't really exist yet, but they yeah. are going to start coming out. They anticipate that it's kind of a five-year adoption to where 5G will be where uh, 4G is here today. So we want to be ahead of the curve. And fortunately, as attractive as a uh, market as we have, as attractive uh, a fan base and, and franchise and identity we have, that, uh, that Verizon is going to work with us to make it a reality. 
All right, Jamie Roots joining us, president of the Houston Texans. Now, what about the rest of the offseason here? Let's talk about training camp for a moment because – you're at the Greenbrier for a right. couple of years now, back home. Yeah, and the, and the Greenbrier was great. I mean, it was fun. It was a wonderful trip. I mean, beautiful place, great place to play golf. But uh, but from a football perspective, preparation-wise, Bill and Brian felt like uh, we would be better served to be in Houston, uh, take a trip uh, at some point during the preseason to get uh, into a cooler climate and take advantage of that. But uh, but really be there for our fans. Our fans give us tremendous energy. Those open practices are just electric. And it's an opportunity for folks that don't otherwise have a chance to see the team live to do that. It's a big uh, a big festival yeah. uh, for football to welcome football back. Training uh, Our uh, Houston uh, Methodist Training Center now has new turf, which is much more conducive for regular practices, you know, uh, repeated practices. So uh, Bill and Brian and our um, uh, sports performance team believe, and, and they're amazing. I mean, the work that they're doing, how they understand our athletes and how they can we can best prepare them. We believe that there is a great formula to be in Houston and have training camp, and I know our fans are going are gonna to enjoy that. Sometimes I hear, well, this is not going to sell tickets, or that's not going to sell tickets. The tech- have been sold out since the beginning of time, right? <laughs> and uh, it's it's not bragging, but it, that's the fact. There's a great demand. The wait list has now reached a record amount of people, right? Well, we've from the beginning said, you know, uh, when, winning and losing will happen. I mean, if you take every sports team that's ever played and aggregate their records, it's 500, right? You're going to lose. You're going to win. <laughs> yeah. And you can't be dependent upon that. And so we've had to separate it. That's the primary purpose. We want to go out and win, but we want people to come regardless. And so we've really, uh, I mean, I hats off to the staff that works at the Houston Texans. They have t- tremendous energy and passion. They just work their tails off. They're in the process right now of, of gyms and step and all these processes that we have to elevate our experience based on feedback from fans. It's such a compelling experience that not only do we sell out as many season tickets, but we have 30,000 people, 30,000 accounts, and usually it's three seats per account, so it's really 90,000 individual tickets that we could sell beyond the capacity crowds that we have at NRG Stadium. That's just, it's really, it's a testament to the McNairs, the vision that they had for this franchise, the great stewards that they've been, the wonderful job that our team does in terms of creating a great experience, and they absolutely believe, I mean, that this, we are here to win a championship for the city, and they want to be a part of it. Absolutely. Jamie, what about Lone Star Sports and Entertainment? Because I know there are a bunch of other events every year. We talk about the college football games and some of the soccer matches and things like that. What can you share with us? Well, the first thing I'll say, and directly related to the annual meetings here, is uh, is a wonderful opportunity uh, to visit with uh, the leadership of ESPN, Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Pitaro. Uh, who's the who's the CEO and Burke Mangus that oversees all of college for uh, ESPN? Wonderful people, tremendous partners. They have Houston doesn't know it, but they have done a tremendous solid for this city uh, with the bowl game. Our partnership that we have with them for the bowl game, the bowl games become one of the elite bowl games in America. The kickoff game that we uh, that we do annually, it's been just a tremendous success. What a wonderful chance to show off our city and bring people into Houston and stay in our hotel rooms and eat in our uh, in our restaurants. And this year we'll have the uh, we'll have Washington State taking on University of Houston. Then we'll have uh, we'll have uh, Rice and University of Texas. We've got the Battle of the Piney Woods, which is such a great a uh, great game. And at the end, we have the bowl game. Um, and we've got Gold Cup. We'll welcome back Gold Cup. And we've got a very exciting soccer related announcement for July. Okay. And it's going to be really a uh, a, a new level of of uh, 
uh, of energy, of, of excitement, of soccer opportunity for the city uh, and for the fans. Well, we look forward to that announcement. Now, one more thing for you related to yeah. the Texans. Right. London, people mm-hmm. keep asking me. I know they're asking you. What can you tell us about the London trip? Well, we anticipate this schedule to be announced just before um, – the uh, NFL draft a week prior-ish. And, uh, yeah, we will be playing in London. We will be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. We think it will be about midway uh, into the season. Mm-hmm. We believe – we're not – I haven't heard, uh, you know, definitively, but believe that we'll play at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll be headed to uh, London next week. I'm doing an advanced tour. I'll be touring Wembley, Wembley and the, the, the restaurants and other facilities that we'll be working with uh, to, to entertain clients and for staff and things of that nature. So we're getting prepared. Uh, but once we know the date uh, – Katie, bar the door. That's going to be a very big game. And what we're trying to get accomplished is, is number one, is to win. Okay, win the game. It's a divisional rival, really important. Number two is to uh, to to host some really important partners with the team. Number three is to fully support the traveling Texans. That yeah. we'll have a big group that are over there. We want to make sure that they have the uh, all the support and, and resources to have a memorable experience, something they'll never forget uh, during their lives. And then uh, use you and your whole amazing broadcast team to virtually transport all the fans in Houston through you know through TV through digital through radio so they feel like they're a part of that experience you you don't do it very often and so chances to see what the team is doing across the across the pond and 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 feel like you're a part of it and then um, you know it's uh, really going to be uh, and and it's a great opportunity for us to build bridges for the city of Houston mm-hmm. because uh, Great Britain is a very important trade partner so we'll work with the Greater Houston Partnership and the Convention and Visitors Bureau to create those connections and sports is such a great connector we can you know we debate about a lot of things but we all agree we love sports I mean, whichever team you love you love the sport you love the competition, and we saw it in Mexico. It was just a magical platform to bring all of Mexico closer to the city of Houston, and we'll do the same with Great Britain. Great. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. All right, Mark. There's Jamie Roots, president of your Houston Texans, and I'm still kind of blown away that you're going to get to watch the Texans on the Texans app and on HoustonTexans.com. And that's a partnership that the league has with Verizon and Yahoo. They have involvement in it, so you'll hear about all the details. But it's going to be very easy. Just go to the website or the app. Now, I get tons of questions from people out of town. I got a tweet from Brazil yesterday. Can we watch the Texans in Brazil on the app? The answer is no, because, you know, DirecTV and the international packages and Game Pass, those are all protected out of market, and out of market meaning out of the greater Houston area, basically, or wherever the TV map is for that weekend. Primetime games are obviously a different story, but the Texans are going to get a ton of primetime games this year. Come on, you got Deshaun Watson, you're going to be on national television a lot like you were last year. Expect that to happen. The schedule's going to come out within three weeks. Did I just say that? Look, they don't announce an actual date. In fact, that's one of the items on the agenda here that no one's talked about. Should they have a date? The answer is yes, but it's difficult. It's harder than you think to put out an NFL schedule. There are so many moving parts. All right, we've got moving parts on this show. Lots of guests because we're in Phoenix at the NFL annual meeting, and Adam Kaplan, old friend of the program, coming up next. Man, he knows this league backwards and forwards. You know, we have Greg Cosell on every once in a while, and I think Cosell, the way he watches tape on everybody is phenomenal. Kaplan does that. I just feel like Kaplan 
watches every team, just knows the buzz of every team as well as Cosell knows the X's and O's of this game. So you want to hear what he has to say about the Texans, the AFC South, the league at large. It's all coming up next on Texans Radio. Here in Phoenix at the NFL meetings, Adam Kaplan joining us right now, Sirius XM NFL Radio, at Kaplan NFL on Twitter with a C, Kaplan. So, Adam, the Houston Texans, uh, from where you sit and you look at Deshaun Watson, you look at what this team did last year, obviously not the exit they wanted. What do you think and hear about what they've done so far or haven't done? I mean, the fans are kind of getting restless about free agency in the offensive line, but they did pick up Khalil reportedly and all of that. Yeah, so it's interesting. So... You know, it's funny on, on Twitter, you know, people ask me questions. They actually ask me that question. Why are the Texans not being aggressive? Are they trying to save money or are they trying to, because of compensatory picks, not signing unrestricted free agents? Will they sign players who are cut like Matt Khalil, who would not cost him anything in the compensatory formula because he's being released. He's already, his contract was terminated. So it doesn't cost, no matter what you pay him, it doesn't count towards the formula. I think the Texans, like the, the Patriots, obviously the Bill, Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien uh, sort of thinking here, is that I think compensatories absolutely for the future are part of this. As a matter of fact, I've never seen it like this in the National Football League. This is my 20th year. I could go through probably 12 teams off the top of my head that are telling agents, we're not signing your player because right now we're trying to get something back uh, for draft picks next year for, in terms of compensatory. So I think it's a factor. I don't think there's any no. question it's a factor. How big is what remains to be seen? But I think that Deshaun Gibson signing, I thought, was very, very smart. Uh, he's a, he a proven veteran. Uh, had an inconsistent year, but he's smart. He's tough. He's been a great story of development. Um, I don't disagree with the people who say they were the upgrades on the offensive line. Here's the thing. We have the draft, okay? Mm-hmm. I expect them to bring in competition, at least two offensive linemen. Why not? Um, you, you know, you've got plenty of pass rushers. Clowney's still there on the franchise tag. You don't have to worry about that. Um, Corner, they had seemingly they had like six journeymen, like they had too many journeymen. Get get a little bit younger there, you know. Kevin Johnson also is gone, so they have to replenish that. So where are they as a football team? I think they're like nine and ten, not, you have know, nine wins, ten wins, and as we head to the draft now, you called the game in Philly. Yep, I would tell you, and I've been to. I mean, I've seen Joe Montana play, I've seen Tom Brady play, I've seen I've been to great games. The Nick Foles, Deshaun Watson battle was awesome, mm-hmm. just as a spectator. I mean, I've seen few better quarterback battles. You remember when uh, Clowney planted Nick Foles? Did you yep. think he was really going to get up and play again? No. He, he missed one play somehow. Yep. Uh, and Watson was so scintillating and fantastic. Now, Watson still at times holds on to the ball too long. Sometimes he runs when he should throw the football. These are the things that y- you continue to coach him. The running quarterback, Steve Young, went through this. Randall Cunningham went through this. If you look at the running quarterbacks over the years, as they mature – Cam Newton went through this in a big way. That's why he's got hurt a lot. And Deshaun's tough. But at some point, it's got to be more about his arm, not about running. Uh, it'll be, be a little bit more accurate. But I'll tell you what, so much fun to watch. His leadership and enthusiasm for the game, awesome. What did you think of the signing of A.J. McCarron for the Houston Texans? You know what? He's a fine backup. He's only started three games. Uh, got a better than average arm. Uh, has better than average size. He's fine. Uh, you know, last year, he thought, I think he probably thought he'd get a better deal than he did. And, uh, you know, he moved on from Buffalo to the Raiders, and then it you know, didn't work out there. He's a, he's a fine, a little bit better than average backup, you know? Where are you in the best receiver in the league debate? I mean, I know it's hard to weigh these things out because you have different guys with different skill sets, and they're all sort of – they have their own different version of artistry, if you will. But what do you think? I would say, despite what happened last season, Antonio Brown, then Hopkins. 
Um, I know he Hopkins was hurt when he played Philly when he came in. Uh, he's had foot and ankle injuries. This guy doesn't miss time. He's tough. If if you and I were running a football team, and you 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 said okay, what these guys are available? Who are you going to sign? I actually might sign Hopkins over him. Antonio Brown. Antonio's got more versatility. Here's why: Hopkins is younger. Uh, Antonio turns what thirty one. Yeah. Um, but Hopkins has been. I think early in his career, I wasn't sure if he'd be a star. And then he started to ascend and ascend and ascend. And, you know, I don't see the thing is fans complain that he gets the ball too much. Uh, until they stop him, folks, he needs to keep getting the ball like he is. Now, it, Will Fuller unfortunately got hurt. He suffered a significant injury. Um, I know they like Vincent Smith. They're probably going to see more of him next season. But they, that's another position we didn't mention. That's one that they really need to, to attack. Uh, probably need to add a veteran or two and also address in the draft. Adam Kaplan joining us on Texans Radio in Philadelphia. You have Carson Wentz back at the helm there. Nick Foles goes to Jacksonville. What's Foles going to do in North Florida? Yeah, so even before they, they uh, added uh, John D. Filippo as their OC, he had, uh, people don't want to believe this. this is absolutely the truth. He had nothing to do with Foles. Foles being their target had nothing to do with the, the offense coordinator. They, when they had their free agent meetings in January before they had actually hired this guy, Foles was their entire offseason. They were going to get him. The Giants, I think, had mild interest, but they were going to sign Nick Foles. And it was going to be a multiple-year deal. They felt that he could be their starter for minimum two years. Ironically, that's the structure of the contract. It's a phenomenal structure. It's, it's the highest. It's right up there with Kirk Cousins' structure. He has a three-year structure. Nick has a massive two-year structure. So he'll be their starter for two years, no matter really what happens, based on contract structure. Uh, he gives them leadership. Uh, you know, you look at his starts over his career. The problem is he hasn't done it in a full season, but he's done it in spurts. And they, there have been some dry spots. There have been some problems. You know, he was going to retire until Andy Reid talked him out of it. So we know the worst of Nick. We know the best of Nick has been the last two years of – I mean, you just – you can't write a script like this. It's incredible, um, the confidence that he, he plays with. And he doesn't really get rattled, Mark, like he used to. Like, the Texans' defense, based on how aggressive they are, early in his career, I think you can get to Nick. Not anymore. It doesn't phase him. And he doesn't hold on the ball like he used to. He's very decisive. And he's back with a coach who sort of knows him. He had him for one year, John did, in uh, Philly. as a quarterback's coach, so that'll be a pretty good marriage. But they, are, they just don't have enough talent, talent on offense. Uh, you know, they've got D.D. Westbrook, who's outstanding young slot receiver who could probably place him on the outside. Uh, they're not going to have Lee until – probably late July, early August, mm-hmm. went back from his ACL reconstruction. So they've got a lot of work to do. It's a good division. I'll tell you what, the Colts, the Colts were better last year than we expected. Now, obviously, the quarterback helps. Right. It's, it's a good division. And Tennessee, obviously, is very competitive. Adam Kaplan joining us on Texans Radio. The Texans play in the AFC West, so there's no question who the favorite is there. Does San Diego stay at that level that they were at last year? But what do you think? Well, if the okay, the Chargers right now, here's the thing. Kareem Hunt's gone from the Chiefs, yeah, and Tyreek Hill may not be playing for them again. We don't know that. Andy Reid addressed it at the owners' meetings. I thought he was very fair about it. Um, he actually acknowledged if we go in the same direction as Kareem Hunt, which means release, we want to know. We want, we want all the information, and that's where they're at with that. So mm-hmm. I give Andy credit for not running away from it. He's very honest. Um, and they need, As he said, they need more information. They need to know what happened. But if you don't have Tyreek Hill, the most dangerous deep threat in the game, it's a little that different. changes everything. Everything. Okay. What about the Chargers, though? They're good. They're real good. I was with them two days when the Saints came in training mm-hmm. camp. Actually, I was with them separate times, twice in training camp. Um, I, if, 
if Hill's gone, they're, they're the best team in the AFC West. I don't think there's any question about it. Wow. Yeah. Strong. Chargers right are there. really good. Chargers are really good. I've been asking a lot of people about Flacco in Denver. Your thoughts? Um, he needs a tight end. I talked to Brandon Stokely about that. Brandon uh, came on a show on Sirius and said that when he was with Joe in Baltimore, uh, he needs a good slot and he needs a tight end. Uh, the thing with last season was Joe was not healthy. He played very well before he got hurt. Uh, he, has a, he had a partially tor- torn hip labrum, which will heal. Doesn't need surgery. I don't know if he'll ever be the same. That Super Bowl run in 12 was you know, magical. It was really, really I've, I've been following. I've been covering Joe since 07 at, at Delaware. The, to me, de- it'll be a defensive-dominated team. You know, they'll run the football. Uh, Scandrello, their OC, is a guy who's in cold plays before uh, at this level. So they'll, they'll be an okay team. It, but they're, if, uh, if Sanders comes back well from his Achilles injury, that would help. Uh, but there's some, some I, I think there's, I think they're an eight, eight, nine, and seven team. I think that's what they are. As we see, uh, seven sixty in Denver, my man Mason. Yep, across the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me about these young quarterbacks here. When we look at Watson and Trubisky, yeah. we, when we look at Lamar Jackson yeah. making the playoffs, Mayfield did really well. And you look at Mahomes, obviously. Does that put extra pressure on Murray, these young quarterbacks coming in, and the teams to draft them higher than they might ordinarily? See, the thing is, it, it's the one position you can't take a quarterback high enough. You just have to get it right. Yeah. If you don't get it right, you ruin your football team. When the Raiders missed on Jamarcus Russell, it ruined them. Now, that contract was in the old CBA, so where it was really ominous when you, because of guaranteed money. Now, it doesn't hurt quite as much if you miss on the quarterback, but it hurts. It sets you back. And... You know, when you get it right, a quarterback, you just build around him. Like the, the, the Falcons did when Dimitrov drafted Matt Ryan. I mean, they made the playoffs the next year. Right. You get it right with Deshaun Watson. Think about it, Mark. Had he not suffered that, that ACL injury in practice, which is, although some people speculate he might have gotten hurt that Seattle game. Nevertheless, look how well he played. Yep. He was ready. He may not have been the MVP, but I'll tell you what, the track that he was on, he was on the Carson Wentz track two years ago before Carson tore his ACL. He probably would have been the MVP. Yeah. Watson is he's an amazing guy. He really is. Um, is, it, is there pressure to draft Murray? Uh, well, again, we don't know what Arizona's going to do. We have to see what Arizona does. Are, are they going to keep the pick? Um, if they keep, they have to take Bosa if he's there, obviously. Um, we just have to see what – is there anyone who's going to tr- make a trade up? Because the, the Jets don't need a quarterback. They need a pass rusher. Right. Pass rushers, as you know, when you have a great one, and the, the Texans, when everyone's healthy, they're right up there with having the best pass rush. It helps your secondary. Without Gronk in New England, are people making too big a deal of it? Uh, clearly, he's one of the best to ever play that position, maybe the best. But by the way, what do you think of that? Is that He'll get in. Or? As a matter of fact, here's a pretty good story. So uh, Patriots first told me literally the year that he was drafted. Uh, I can't remember if he had played the first season or it was before the draft. He said, we think he has the potential to be a Hall of Fame player, and I'm going to talk to that guy soon, and, and I want to get it. I want to ask him when, if, if he remembers when he told me that. Was it before the season or after the season? But despite the back surgery, despite it not playing his final year, and, and the, I don't know, what did Drew Rosenhaus say? He had 13 surgeries, something like that? I um, mean, the guy's toughness. Um, probably most uncoverable tight end I've seen in my time, 20 years covering the league, because six, six and a half, and his length, you've, yeah, I know you've called games against the Patriots. Yeah. He changes the game. And we, know, we remember when Hernandez and Gronk played together, they were changing the game. Yep. That was, that was a set that which we never got to see before, which is shame. Real shame. How long does it last, Brady and Belichick, in New England? You know, I get asked this every year. I'd never believe the rumors a year ago. Yeah. Um, I would say that Tom would re- retire first. Right. Probably the best way to look at it. 
Um, it's amazing. Uh, I know they've had to put up with some stuff. Uh, Tom with his having his trainer around and all this stuff. But you know what? He's a great guy. He's, he's tough as nails. Best quarterback in NFL history. You're really going to walk away from that? I don't care if he turns 42 in, in, uh, in August. Mm-hmm. Guy's special. He's the best quarterback in my lifetime. Uh, better than Favre. We can go through all the lists. Yep. Uh, he's, just, he's the best. I mean, it's six-round pick. It's uh, really remarkable. And, and I remember talking to the Patriots about it. They said, look, if we would have been that smart, we would have drafted him earlier. Look how many times we missed on him. Yeah. Everybody did. Yep. Adam, thanks a lot for Thank joining you. us. There's Adam Kaplan from Sirius XM NFL Radio, formerly of ESPN, knows the league as well as anybody around here. And there's a ton of media guys around here just crawling, just aching for stories, hanging out in the lobby. The lobby here, I wasn't going to name drop on the show, but John Harris isn't with me here, and I just have to do it alone, I guess. But it's unbelievable. And I wrote about this on HoustonTexans.com. I was at the party last night. They have a huge, huge reception on Monday night of the NFL annual meeting, and you're out there with the coaches and the owners, so you have billionaires partying, if you will, with media guys. They're not really partying with them, but they're all sort of hanging around, talking, socializing. It's really a sight to see. I mean, you'll be on the food line getting shrimp cocktail, and there's Sean Payton or there's Ziggy Wilf or somebody that you really know from watching coverage of this league, and all of a sudden you're with them. And I share this with you not to name drop, although I guess I mean that's what it is, but just to let you know, I'm a fan of this league too. I mean, I grew up watching this league, so just to be around these people, I want to share that with you and how amazing that is just to be here. Now, hopefully we're bringing some of that to you, and you'll see some of this on Texans 360 on Saturday night, 11 o'clock. ABC 13. Uh, We'll have more interviews on the show coming up tomorrow and Thursday. Brian Gain joins us tomorrow. Pete Prisco from CBS Sports will join us tomorrow as well. A few other things on the way out here. You know, Bill O'Brien talked about the April 15th date. What is that? That's the beginning of the strength and conditioning program. That's two weeks from Monday, and that's a nine-week program. That's the Texans offseason with the coaching staff. Now, they can't practice starting two weeks from Monday, but they'll be with Mike Eubanks. They'll be doing strength and conditioning. They can meet. They can do some classroom work. They go in phases, like he said earlier in the show. And it's really pretty cool how they ramp up because, to me, this is kind of like training camp. This is the way training camp used to be. Training camp used to be six weeks prior to the first preseason game. Now you only get two. You really have to hit the ground running when they get here in late July with two weeks to go before the first preseason game. So what they're doing in these nine weeks is installing a bunch of stuff, getting in shape, and then they have that five-week break, and then they go. They basically just go. Because you could talk about training camp as, oh, it's getting in shape, getting ready for the season. They've got to be in shape when they get back to NRG Park in late July, which will be in Houston. Training camp will be, so that'll be great for the fans and everything like we talked about with Jamie and you heard about from Bill O'Brien. Well, that's going to do it here from Phoenix. Really want to thank you for listening to the show tonight. All these shows will be podcast on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Go check out all the articles about what Bill O'Brien had to say today. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans!